Welcome to Brain-Based Parenting, the Boys Ranch podcast for families. We all know how hard being a parent is, and sometimes it feels like there are no good answers to the difficult questions families have when their kids are struggling. Our goal each week will be to try and answer some of those tough questions utilizing the knowledge, experience, and professional training Cal Farley's Boys Ranch has to offer. Now here is your host, Cal Farley Staff Development Coordinator, Joshua Sprock. Welcome everyone, and thank you for joining us today as we discuss the core of our model of leadership and service, safety. Today I'm joined by Suzanne Wright, our Vice President of Training and Intervention. Good morning, Josh. Mike Wilhelm, our Senior Chaplain. Good morning, Josh. And Sam Cerna, the Assistant Administrator of Residential Programs. Hi, Josh. All right, today we are going to be talking about safety. And as you know, we do a question of the day every week to kind of get us kicked off. So are you guys ready for our hard-hitting, deep question? Yes. Fire fire away. All right. So today's question of the day is, tell us about a time that you think is funny maybe now, but you were really, really scared when it happened. I can go first. A couple of years ago, I was going on a Jeep trip with my father-in-law, and we were up in the mountains of Colorado, and I never really thought I was scared of heights. And we were driving, and all of a sudden, I look over the side of the cliff, and it is straight down, and I don't know how far it was, maybe 10,000 million feet, but all of a sudden, the world started spinning, and I went into full panic mode, and I curled up in a ball on the floor of my father-in-law's Jeep. Not really the greatest look you want to have right in front of your father-in-law. Well, I have a similar story. I am also afraid of heights, and I decided to go hiking in Utah. My friend told me we're going to a cave. I didn't realize the cave was at the top of a mountain that we had to walk, that they didn't have rails on the path. And I remember walking along that path, and as it got higher, I was above trees, and I just started to crouch and kind of walk almost on my knees and with my hand against the opposite wall. But when traffic would come, when people would walk by me, I would literally um, curled up into a ball and continue to try to walk. And I was so afraid if somebody touched me, I was going to just fall <laughs> off the side of this thing. And looking back now, I think it's, it's funny because I actually ended up running down that thing afterwards. So it's really funny. I can't really think of a time that I was scared that I now think is funny. I hate to be scared. I really don't like to be scared. So if I was scared, it's still not funny. So ask me again in, a, in another five or ten years, and maybe then I could find the humor, but but not yet. Fair enough. Uh, my my one of my top would be oh, I was in my early twenties, and I was penning some cattle up in this pasture that had a lot of timber, and we had a wing fence, and and we had some very wild cattle, and. Uh, and I was going after these cattle full bore on this horse, looking back at the other ones to see if, if they had broken from the group. And when I turned around, there, there was a, 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 it was oak trees in this particular pasture. I turned around and, and there is a, I'm ready to crash into an oak tree limb, be clotheslined. And no t- the horse was going full bore. And I remember they talk about your life flashing before your eyes. And this was, a, I mean, this was a big tree limb that, and I thought I'm going to die. And I, I just thought, I wonder how my life has been. And just had this little moment oh, and bam, crashed into the limb. And, and it happened to be 
uh, rotten and hollowed out from the inside from oh. whatever bugs or something, and it just I smashed it into smithereens. But uh, that was one of the most scared times in that little moment that I've ever been. So, but you uh, survived it. I lived survived to tell it. The tale. That's right, <laughs> and I, I, I'm okay. Yeah. All right, that's great. So. For those of you who listened to our show last week, we gave you a quick overview of Boys Ranch's model of leadership and service. Starting with today's episode and continuing over the next several weeks, we're going to cover each part of that model in greater detail. So let's start with the core of our model, which is safety. So first thing I want to ask you guys, what is safety and why is it such an important concept to understand when it comes to helping kids, especially when they're struggling? I think safety is a feeling of peace and calmness and security, your brain's number one job is to keep you safe. It's not to think, it's not to problem solve, it is to keep you safe. And so whether you are aware of this or not, your brain is always working in the background to ensure your safety. And uh, and that's the foundation of our model because until your brain determines that it's safe, it really can't focus on anything else. You know, I agree, Suzanne. And one of the things that people forget is that, you know, we all have fear response when, when we are scared. And one of those is, is freezing, there's flight, and there's fight. And so sometimes um, when kids are not feeling safe, that's when you're seeing behaviors. You're seeing things that you might not normally see or they're in this constant state. <coughs> Some kids very really struggle at school when they're feeling inadequate. Because um, there's all kinds of safety, and there's there's safety of not being accepted in your groups. Um, so those things, it's why it's important for um, caregivers to understand that it just because a kid is acting out doesn't always mean it's because they want to. It's sometimes they are they are stuck in an unsafe place. I think that's a really good point, Sam. And as the podcast goes on, we'll talk about a lot of what you just mentioned in more detail. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and piggybacking on what Sam said, from a, uh, to talk in spiritual terms, uh, what we want for for ourselves and for our loved ones is as um, the Bible would call repentance. Uh, the Greek words metanoia, and what it is is it's a real change of being, uh, a, a moral change, an interior change, and there's a big learning aspect to that. And we can't learn when we're scared, and we don't we don't change for the good when we're scared. When we're scared, we go to our default and we're reactionary. So uh, this is huge. So Josh, appreciate the topic today. So what does it look like when kids feel unsafe? Well, it's kind of like what I said earlier. Um, it can look like many things. Um, I remember I used to be uh, in band, and there was times when um, I didn't practice or I didn't do. Um, so well, and I was very anxious about um, the the class and, and performing in front of my peers. And um, so I remember sometimes the instructor would be upset with me and I would smile and I would, I would just smile because I didn't know what else to do. I didn't know why I was even doing it. And he would get upset with me. He would say, why are you laughing? This isn't funny. I'm being serious. And I couldn't do anything but kind of chuckle and keep smiling, which made him matter and matter. So it's one of the things people need to understand is sometimes you go to a default. That's a pacifying behavior to to try to soothe the people around you when you smile. And they're seeing it as threat and disrespect. And so it's important for adults to remember that sometimes kids are doing things they don't really understand that they're doing. 
I think that's a great example. I think also sometimes we see what looks like defiance, right? So for example, if, um, if I don't feel very confident in my ability to do math and a teacher asks me to go complete a math problem on the board in front of the class, all of my fears and insecurities come out and I want to do anything but be embarrassed in front of my peers. And so I, re, I refuse to do that. And my intent is to protect myself. But to an adult, to my teacher, that looks <clears throat> like defiance and disobedience. And so I think that that is also a common misunderstanding um, when we see a child who's defiant, that they're probably trying to keep themselves safe. And and when we think of safety, it's not just physical safety, right? It's emotional safety, um, psychological safety, sometimes spiritual safety. And so again, our brain is doing whatever it can think of in order to keep us safe. But sometimes adults misinterpret that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, that that's, don't you think that that's why sometimes uh, say a kid will run out and uh, that they're not feeling safe, but on the other hand, as an adult that's feeling safe in that moment, we misread uh, the behavior and we'll assume it's defiance. And sometimes it might be defiance. Sometimes it might be a, um, uh, that there's a, they're feeling unsafe. Or even I've found sometimes when kids will maybe uh, start cussing in inappropriate setting, um, that okay, that might be defiance, and that's how I will tend to, to read it. But mistakenly, uh, but when actually sometimes if a kid's in a setting that's unfamiliar, they're feeling inadequate, they're not feeling safe, and that might be a reaction in that moment as well, don't you think? I agree yeah, with for that. Sure. Yeah, mm-hmm. for sure. You know, I wanted to also talk uh, a counter to Suzanne's point was sometimes we also see overcompliance. Uh, a child just going to go out of their way to be compliant and adults love that stuff but sometimes it's very difficult to see what's underneath when they're just being compliant and again we we like those things because you're getting what you want as an adult but we're completely missing what what's going on and sometimes you find that when the child finally gets in trouble for some reason you might get an explosion or you might get a, a different kind of reaction or a freeze and you know, it's really important to consider those things that everybody's got a different response. Every child's going to have a different response based on their template and their early caregiving. Wow, that's a great example. We'll call that a good kid, won't we? As we like to label kids. Absolutely. But then as soon as that kid is starting to feel safe and then some of that stuff starts to come out, we start to wonder what's going wrong. The kid's going backwards when actually that might be progress. Is that what you're saying, Sam? Yeah, I believe so. Yeah. So I've also heard the concept of felt safety. Uh, can you explain to me what that is and why it's so important and how that's different from just being safe? So felt safety is a concept that we talk about often on our campus. Um, it's one thing for me to interact with a brand new resident and say, welcome, you're safe. Right now, I may feel confident that that child will be cared for and safe in our environment, but that child doesn't know me. They don't know our schedule. They don't know our routine. They don't, they don't know the staff or the other kids. And so felt safety means that safety doesn't count until the child can identify that he or she feels safe. 
And that's a process, right? For some children, that may be fairly quickly, a matter of weeks. For other children, that may take months or years, depending on their past experiences and relationships with adults, as well as their ability to form relationships here on our campus. Yeah, well said. And you want a good example of health safety is is, um, sometimes we get children who are often don't want to go to bed at night and we have a hard time at night you know the staff knows the child is safe the child feels unsafe and uh, I remember we my wife and I had to sometimes spend uh, an hour or so uh, trying to help a young a young lady feel okay with being in her room and it's her first night in a new place and um, we know she's safe and there's no way to convince her that she is she felt unsafe and that this new roommate is here um, this new place, it's dark, it's probably some sounds at night. I'm not out there at night, but I imagine there's creaking in the, it's a whole new place. And so that's what a good example of feeling safe um, or not feeling safe when you actually are. You, you know, that with what you just said, Sam, there was a, years ago, we had a, um, there was a, um, a, a resident here who came from quite a ways quite a ways away and was had a hard time here uh, had a great deal of struggle and was difficult for staff to connect with difficult to connect with other peers had a very unfortunate background one of the things that when I tried to connect with this 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 friend was really creeped out by our chapel bells and we used to have the chapel bells. They play every hour and did um, were it was just part of the sounds on the campus. And and we just while we're used to it, most of us it's a comforting and nostalgic. And this, why do you have those, sir? And uh, I finally figured out, and uh, thanks to probably our training room here, that that really was that was a reminder one that he was not at home, and. It, it was tapping into a, uh, the felt safety thing, did not feel safe, and it, it was uh, creepy to this child. So we rode our bikes up one day, and I said, tell you what, come on. And we went in the back, and I showed him where the, the bells were and uh, the computer that ran them, and said, we're going to unplug these. And we unplugged them, and, uh, and we became kind of closer friends through that. But I learned a lot through that friend and through our training room around this. You know, Mike, that is a great example of being curious about the need expressed by the behavior, which is something that we will talk about over and over again, I'm sure, on our podcast. But we always want to be, when we see behavior or we hear a statement like, hey, those bells are creepy, for us to be curious about, you know, what experiences has that child had um, that lead that child to that conclusion, right? But be curious and then try to meet that need. And and what a simple but profound thing that you did, right? We can easily unplug those bells and they're not so important to us that it overrides ensuring that a child feels safe. And that that happens frequently, right? As adults, we make a decision, no, oh, it's not that big a thing or he'll get used to it. But instead, you took him seriously, you were curious, and then you, you met that need. And that is a wonderful, 
Wonderful story. Thank you for sharing that. Well, I would like to say as a pioneer in that, but I would be one that would fall into the camp of most adults are going to be, okay, he needs to get over it. We'd either uh, blow it off or maybe even be critical of him for complaining and not take him seriously. But uh, I would be right in with that camp uh, had I not really been taught by young friends like him in our training room here. Yeah. Yeah, and also so another part of the question you had there, Josh, was why is it important? It's important because if people do not feel safe, they can't learn, they can't grow, they almost get stuck in their state. Um, and so, again, we talked about behaviors and all, all those things that come along with not feeling safe. It's important because a person can't grow in a state of fear. They can't grow. And so if, they're not, if they don't feel safe, it doesn't matter if they're actually safe, you are, they will always be in this perpetual state. Um, and I believe failed safety can be fixed maybe with time or if, like y'all said, I think that was a great example of being curious and looking at how can I help them feel better, uh, feel safer. So I just wanted to make sure we answered the second part of your question, John. So what are some ways we can, our listeners can facilitate a feeling of felt safety with their kids? I think one of, one of the easiest things to do is to have a conversation with your child and ask them if there are areas where they feel unsafe. I think a lot of times we assume and we don't ask. And so you may have a child who's misbehaving in school and it's easy to see that as disobedience or willful defiance. But I would be very curious to know if if there was something happening that that made the child feel unsafe. And again, it may simply be their perception. They may be safe in school, but but asking that question and being willing to hear the answer and help them find a solution is really important. You know, one of the things that adults forget also is especially when you're dealing with younger children is that we are bigger than them. So one of the things I always like to do is get on the child's level, sit with them side by side, or if they're a small child, maybe I would sit on the floor maybe or let them stand somewhere where I help them feel like I'm at a level where they can converse with me versus um, towering over children. Because adults are louder, we're, we're just bigger, and yeah. for little kids, especially young children, we, are, we can be scary and imposing and not even mean to be. Sam, you reminded me of something. What about eye contact? Can that cause kids to feel unsafe? Because I know that's really important for some people to make. They, they think kids need to have maintain eye contact with them. Well, for sure. I mean, eye contact means a lot of things, and depending on what you read. And but culturally, eye contact can sometimes be um, it can be threatening. Um, sometimes eye contact means you're you're opening a challenge. Some of that's biological, um, but some of it is. Um, also, there, there's a way to have soft eye contact, a way to make meaningful eye contact, a short short looks into the eyes and then looking down and away or up and around. So that way somebody's not completely held in your gaze. Um, I hope that answers the question you yeah. asked. I think it's also um, a good idea, just like Sam said, to be on their level. But sometimes it's easier for children to communicate with us side by side rather than face to face, you know, especially if there's a desk. In between, and so having that conversation side by side takes some of the pressure off. Um, and even if you could walk and talk with that child, uh, if you could be outside, a lot of times that atmosphere is much easier for a child to confide in you than again in an office across from a desk. 
Oh, that, amen. I learned my first two or three years here. Um, I learned that very thing, what you just said, Suzanne, is that the kids that would come into my office, um, that, that those were difficult conversations oftentimes, more so even for the boys, I think. But, but uh, if we were to go on a bike ride and ride over to two and a half miles in Magenta, by the time we got to the 385 bridge, they were jabber boxes. <laughs> um, but it one probably just the, the physical motion probably activates some uh, uh, some of our talkativeness. But but then, like Sam said, it had the the right amount of being able to check in with some eye contact, but not threatening and too much for a, a newer kid. So that side-by-side -side thing really is helpful, isn't it? Yes. Yeah, or, or ride horses with the kids is another thing. All right, last question. What about caregivers? How important is it for caregivers to feel a sense of safety or felt safety? One of the important things about our model of leadership and service is that we point out each of those components are just as important for us as adults and caregivers and staff and parents as they are for the children that we care for. So if I don't feel safe, it would be really hard for me to help a child feel safe. Right? And so I need to um, maybe engage in some self-care activities. I need to work on my relationships. I need to find a way um, for myself to feel safe before I can extend that to the residents that I interact with or even my own personal children. Yeah, well said. I mean, I, I, there's not, there's a lot to be said about an adult feeling safe too and trying to care. We only have so much energy in our life. And if I'm worried about just keeping the lights on at home, how can I give everything I can to help a, a young child or a, any child um, be okay. I mean, if you're just worried or you're working two jobs or just trying, like I said, make ends meet, um, I'm not sure that's always safe. And then you also worry about your children. You worry about are they safe at home? Sometimes you got to leave older children at home to care for younger children even. And you worry about, especially depending on the neighborhoods you live in or, or anything like that. So it's very important for a caregiver to feel safe. Much to my previous point, just like kids cannot grow in um, an unsafe environment it's very difficult for adults to do the same it's all it's all true across the board agree yeah that the, the self-awareness piece that you mentioned is is huge and and josh that something that i've noticed from being out here that adults that aren't like sam says are just carrying the weight of the world and if we lose self-awareness uh, so much of the time, uh, we're, we're going to be toxic with the child. And no matter how we choose our words, they can still, they can smell it. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> if, if we're hijacked, if we're anxious, whatever it is, they, they sense it, no matter how carefully we choose our words. But another piece, and this is coming from a, a pastor's perspective, is I have seen harm that's done through some really frightening images of God that might be transmitted explicitly or implicitly to children. And those things um, um, can really harm a child where you're, you're never feeling safe if God is um, wrathful and is a cosmic cop who's always watching 
and you are never safe in a scheme like that. So um, I hope listeners could, um, it's always good for all of us, can you to draw close to God and see that his, the, the center piece of the portrait of God in Jesus Christ and what God's really like. Well, Mike, Sam, Suzanne, feel really safe in here with you guys today. So, And thank you all for joining us today. I hope you felt safe with us this week. And remember, you might have to loan out your frontal lobe today. Just make sure you get them back. Thank you for listening to Brain-Based Parenting. We hope you enjoyed this show. If you would like more information about Cal Farley's Boys Ranch, are interested in employment, would like information about placing your child, or would like to help us help children by donating to our mission, please visit calfarley.org. You can find us on all social media platforms by searching for Cal Farley's. Thank you for spending your time with us and have a blessed day.